Hello, hey folks out there. Um, just giving it a minute to have the room fill up a little bit more. It looks like we have a number of people in the room. All right, welcome everybody. Uh, I'm Mark Ross uh, with Vicente Cedarberg. We've got an amazing group panel to talk about the new social impact plans and annual reports for the Denver for all Denver cannabis businesses. Uh, I will just go to the next slide and introduce this amazing panel that we have. I'm so happy we have Abby Borchers from. The, the City of Denver, the Department of Excise and Licensing. We have my colleague, Kim Napoli, who's the Director of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion here at Vicente Cedarburg. Uh, my other colleague, James Nekleba, who is Regulatory Counsel, Licensing and Compliance with Vicente Cedarburg. And I, again, am Mark Ross. I am the Head of Impact and ESG for Vicente Cedarburg. Um, very excited to start to get into this right away. I think it's important that we start with a perspective of how we got here. Uh, before we talk about what the new social impact plan requires and how we can help you understand not only what the plan requires, but how you can best fulfill your obligations as licensees in the city of Denver. So, uh, Abby, do you want to take it away and tell us, a give us a little history lesson on, on how we got here? Absolutely. Thank you, Mark. Um, and thank you to Vicente Cedarberg for putting together this webinar. I think this is going to be really valuable for licensees and, and people interested in starting their marijuana businesses um, to learn more about this application requirement. Again, my name is Abby Borchers and I'm a policy analyst with Denver's Department of Excise and Licenses, which issues marijuana licenses. Um, and I'm just going to give a little bit of historical context and an overview of social impact plans. Um, if you've been in the marijuana industry in Denver for a few years now, you're probably familiar with community engagement plans which were previously required to be submitted with applications for new retail marijuana licenses and with renewals of retail marijuana licenses. Um, community engagement plans were really centered around outreach to the community surrounding the licensee's premises. This meant reaching out to registered neighborhood organizations, uh, having a plan for addressing complaints, and generally being a good member of the community. Community engagement plans also required licensees to have a plan for promoting participation in the marijuana industry by people from communities that were disproportionately harmed by marijuana prohibition and enforcement. In 2020, Denver City Council passed Council Bill 2262, adopting a new type of marijuana license called the Marijuana Research and Development License. With this new license, City Council also adopted a new application requirement, the Social Impact Plan. The Social Impact Plan was to be submitted with every application for a new marijuana research and development license, and again, upon every renewal. Council Bill 2262 laid out the specific requirements of the social impact plan, which included the contact information for the person responsible for oversight and implementation of the social impact plan, procedures for addressing concerns of residents, registered neighborhood organizations, and neighboring businesses, a list of all registered neighborhood organizations encompassing the applicant's premises, and a plan to engage with each registered neighborhood organization, a description of the applicant's diversity and inclusion practices in hiring and employment, a description of the applicant's sustainability practices, uh, 
a description of the applicant's plan to foster participation in the marijuana industry by people from communities that were disproportionately harmed by marijuana prohibition and enforcement in order to positively impact those communities, and a description of how members of the public can access the applicant's social impact plan. The bill also required that licensees submit an updated social impact plan at each renewal, identifying outcomes resulting from the plan during the previous licensing year. So you can see that uh, these requirements for the social impact plan reflect a larger shift in how governments are approaching marijuana regulation across the country with a renewed focus on promoting social goals such as diversity, inclusion, sustainability, and repairing harms done by the war on drugs. To that end, in April 2021, City Council passed Council Bill 21216, um, also known as the Marijuana Omnibus Bill, and that bill created a social equity program for marijuana licensing, adopted marijuana delivery, and removed the cap on store and cultivation locations, um, among many other small changes. The bill also replaced the community engagement plan requirement with the new social impact plan requirement um, that was previously in place for marijuana research and development licensees only, um, now applying it to all marijuana licensees. Um, and with the exact same requirements that were laid out in Council Bill 2262 that I just listed. Um, the social impact plan requirement became effective immediately with the passage of the omnibus bill. Um, licensees are now required to submit social impact plans with every renewal application and applicants for new licenses must submit a social impact plan with their applications as well. Um, to assist applicants with developing a social impact plan, we developed the social impact plan form, which is available on our website and uh, applicants are required to use that form to submit their social impact plan. So that brings us to where we are today. Um, with that, I'll turn it over to James to speak in more detail about the plans. Righty. Um, it's nice to see everybody today. It's, uh, usually, we would be in a room full of y'all, but um, my name is James Neklaba. I'm regulatory counsel for Vicente Sierra Burnaby. We do most of uh, most of our department, the licensing department, does these licenses and renewals. So we have some authority to speak to the obligations and requirements of the new uh, ordinances in Denver. Um, as Abby pointed out, um, historically and traditionally, we had community engagement plans and Denver moved over to social impact plans. Now, um, by and large, the goal of the uh, social impact plans were to add some matter of measurement and accountability to the, uh, to the community engagement plans. And the goals really uh, surrounded, the goals that were um, imagined for the social impact plan affect sustainability, diversity, and uh, remediation re regarding the war on drugs. Um, community impact, uh, community engagement plans, um, by comparison to the social impact plans, um, as you can see from the slide, they had a lower threshold. There wasn't really anything that dealt with metrics or anything along those lines. And by and large, what we saw in our uh, department uh, in Vicente Cedarburg was mostly copying and pasting throughout the years. Um, but the social impact plans uh, are far more extensive. They're far more thorough, and they do require a bit more uh, tracking in terms of metrics of um, the success or shortcomings of, of each plan itself. Um, and that goes to um, 
the accountability of the programs itself. Um, the accountabilities are to the licensees themselves, not particularly to the city, but um, the, the main difference between uh, community engagement plans and social impact plans is the fact that the, the metrics, the, the successes or shortfalls are actually published and available to the public. Um, if we could go to the next slide, we can talk about that a little bit more in detail. But um, one of the things that it may strike you as you look at these ordinances, and it strikes pretty much every single human being, is it feels like a wall of text. You get something new and it's very daunting. It's uh, very scary in some respects. You look at it and the anxiety just seizes your chest. You're like, how am I going to do any of this? What does any of this mean? Luckily for us, you know, um, these things can break into readily recognized patterns. Uh, for us at Vicente Cedarburg, we recognize that they actually break into three categories that are easily manageable. Um, that is that there are plans that you have to come up with um, for five different things. Um, beyond that, you have to be able to track the success or shortfalls of these plans. And finally, there's a requirement of transparency or accountability to the public. And again, when I say accountability, I don't necessarily mean punishment. I mean that, you know, there is an ability for the public to actually look at whether or not you're following the plans that you set off uh, to the, the licensing department, EXL. Um, the plans for operation uh, include some of the things that I've covered very briefly here, but uh, firstly, uh, to address some sort of um, issues that relate to the disproportionate harm that the war on drugs created, specifically as it relates to marijuana or any other drugs. Now, the other things that uh, Denver is concerned about is environmental sustainability. So practices that lower carbon footprints or pollution or, or littering or so on and so forth. Um, other things uh, that they're concerned about is diversity and hiring practices. It's been a, a big thing across many industries and across the media. Um, and uh, finally, some of the other things uh, that we see are very similar to the community engagement plans are um, RNO engagement, registered neighborhood organizations as they're known, and uh, finally how public concerns are addressed, meaning you know, when somebody actually has a complaint to you or has a complaint to your business, what is your plan to respond to that, the timeframes, that sort of thing. Tracking is uh, really um, important because the difference between uh, community engagement plans and social impact plans is largely metric-based. So the plans for operations really have to reflect things that are measurable in terms of dollars and dimes, so to speak, um, percentages as things change over the course of time between licensing dates, months, quarters, however you'd like to track it. But nominally, you have to have some sort of uh, way to demonstrate that there are or shifts and differences in the, um, the, the previous point of licensure and the renewal point. And finally, the last point of uh, difference is transparency. So one thing is that there needs to be an appointment, I guess, of, of an individual or individuals that are responsible for taking in uh, questions or complaints or that sort of thing on behalf of your uh, licensed business um, and a plan to address that. Um, looks like we have a question here. How will the city determine if a given plan 
for DEI, sustainability, social justice, et cetera, is sufficient. Um, that may go uh, to Abby to answer um, because. Sure. <laughs> sure. Um, so there's not, we're not going to sit down and, and look at your plan and decide if your goals for diversity are, are the right goals or if your plan for sustainability is the right plan for sustainability. What we're trying to do is encourage licensees to have a plan for sustainability practice and to have a plan for diversity and inclusion in hiring and employment. Um, and that's really the purpose of the, the form that licensees are required to fill out. Um, and that gives you some examples and some guidance on exactly what the social impact plan should look like. But as long as you've filled out the form and it's it's truthful because everything you submit with your application should be um, true and correct to the best of your knowledge, then that's an acceptable social impact plan. I see we're getting more questions and right now. I'd like to hold them until the end. These are very good questions. Why don't we uh, continue with the presentation? James, I don't know if you had finished with this slide. Um, uh, yeah, I, uh, I'm finished with that slide. So if we can and I would encourage, that. yeah, I would encourage if people have questions to, um, to definitely put them into the chat and we will come back to them at the end. We will, should have plenty of time for questions. I'm just giving a look over the questions. They're very good ones, I, I concur there. But um, let's move forward. Uh, let's talk about some of the more details that relate to um, the, uh, the things that need to be tracked here. And the, one of the things to know is uh, the registered nor neighborhood organizations. Now, this may be a rehash for individuals who are um, who are familiar with licensing and, and, and traditional techniques, but you know, um, first and foremost, you, you have to actually find out who your RNOs are, and that's very very simple. Um, again, this may be a rehash, but uh, it just comes down to um, going on to the Denver uh, website and uh, searching for them. Um, I use Google. I said registered neighborhood organizations, uh, Denver. You know click it, I'm right there. And then you just bookmark it. I can't really tell you how to get there other than the uh, all-knowing omniscient Google. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, you're first and foremost, you go out there, you find out who your RNOs are. Um, then really um, from that, you can get the contact information um, uh, for the RNOs themselves. And you can, you can start uh, making plans to engage with the RNOs. Now, uh, whether or not you want to do something along the lines of you say, well, now I'm going to wait till they engage with us or you want to engage with them prior to them reaching out to you. It can be a collaborative thing, you know, one way or another. But the idea beyond anything else is that you have some sort of uh, interaction with the RNOs because they are, best of our ability, representatives of the neighborhood that you uh, actually have your business within. Now, um, again, as I pointed out in the previous slide, um, you, or previous slides, you're going to have to have some sort of point of contact, um, whether it's the same person who takes complaints uh, versus the same person who takes his, takes uh, questions versus you know a person who's specifically designated for RNOs. It's up to you, but that's all that goes into these um, social impact plans. Now, the other thing to keep in mind is that you may uh, want to have uh, things that are uh, readily uh, um, 
readily accountable in terms of how quickly response can be expected. So for example, you know, uh, individuals should expect a response within two business days, up to 10 business days. We may have, uh, like any other uh, government regulation, you know, there may be cause, good cause to extend that time frame. But in the meantime, you know, the majority of uh, businesses understand that, you know, you just don't let things hang. So you say, well, if we can't immediately respond with a total answer, you can put out something that says, well, we can't immediately respond with a total answer, but what we can do is to say, if you can hang on, we'll be with you and, you know, we'll contact you within uh, this period of time and, you know, calendar, and make sure that you abide by those dates. Um, the, uh, whether or not you have some sort of process to resolve complaints, comments, questions, that goes into response times, but the kind of complaint will let, uh, dictate the kind of response. So if it's something small, like say, you know, I noticed that your lights were on for a particular long time, right? Well, turns out uh, Kevin forgot to turn off the lights last night, okay? Um, something along those lines. Or, you know, we have concerns about loitering. Well, that's a concern that you uh, should share with the registered neighborhood organization because loitering is not generally accepted uh, in terms of regulations, either state or local. Um, and finally, questions themselves, you know, simple questions versus you know, complex ones, questions that relate to, you know, listen, you know, um, what, uh, what hours, your hours can be you know, found based upon the website, you know, but uh, more complex questions that relate to, you know, um, how you engage with the community itself may take a bit more time. But all in all, these uh, plans are discoverable. They are published uh, with EXL and they should be available. In some way, shape, or form, I recommend uh, on website because that's the easiest way to say we've done our obligations. So if we could go to the next slide. I'm happy to jump in here. Thanks again, everyone, for coming. Um, this slide, we're going to just talk briefly about the DNI goals as it relates to the annual reporting requirements. So, specifically, you are required to have plans that are, as it says on the slide, specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time bound. And these are all things that are broken up in such a way to actually have you create plans that are, as stated, achievable. Um, I think at the outset, as James said, when you're looking at something, it's a wall of words and that can be overwhelming. This helps to break it down um, and make it more um, easily digestible. So unpacking a little bit, um, you need to have these goals, you need to have programs and that, that are designed to support the goals and promoting the DNI practices. And then you're supposed to have measurements that will sh show the success of those programs that you started. Um, and at, if, at the outset, at licensing, you'll be required to present these. And then again, at renewal, you'll be required to show the progress on those goals. So for example, one goal you might have based on an assessment that you've done of your organization is that you're going to increase the percentage of company leadership positions held by women and people of color from say 20% to 30%. Then you're gonna figure out programs that suit your company as well. What works for your company may not work for another, so take some time and effort and, um, and put in some thought and you may decide to implement a corporate mentor mentorship program that's gonna put women of color and people of color on a track to executive leadership positions. 
the measurements are going to be of your choosing, but they should be ones that are easily trackable and readily accessible. In other words, you shouldn't have to create, you should never be creating data, but you should be able to um, take a specific data set and easily track that throughout the year. So for example, um, you could look at the current number of uh, or percentage, you have 20% in your company, how many women is that? Um, and then update that number over time as you hire. And you're gonna take into consideration the amount of people that are promoted, the amount of people that leave employment, the amount of people that were perhaps considered. It really is up to you. But again, you want to specifically uh, identify that data at the outset and make sure that it stays um, accurate throughout renewal. Next slide. Kim, can you just talk a little bit about diversity generally and uh, that, that it just doesn't include gender and it just doesn't yeah, include people of color. Absolutely. Yeah. Great point to make. Um, so DNI, you know, we've referenced here women and people of color, and I think that's, that's low hanging fruit. That's obvious, but there's a whole uh, array of, of diverse factors that you may choose to incorporate into your plans. You don't need to do all of them, but there's religion, there's ancestry, there's race, um, LGBTQI, there's indigenous populations, there's age, there's people with or without disabilities. There are veterans, there's a whole number of uh, diverse factors that we are all part of. So everyone in this room, everyone in this virtual room, everyone in the audience, you all have uh, belonged to some sort of protected class and you may um, experience benefits or, um, or hindrances because of those, um, you may find yourself in a situation where you're benefiting from these programs. And in this sense, when we're talking about DNI here, it really is up to the operator which groups they choose to support. And I recommend basing that support off of your initial assessment of your business so that you are actually truly making a difference and not just kind of shooting in the dark. Great, thanks, Kim. Sure. Sustainability practices. So I'll, I'll jump in on this one. Uh, let's just say in general, uh, when the cannabis regulations and laws were passed for the state of Colorado, as well as for the city of Denver, uh, there wasn't given much thought with regard to sustainability. Over the last number of years, uh, a group of people have been working with the city of Denver with, um, with the Cannabis Sustainability Working Group and recognized that there have been certain um, externalities that have been placed upon the people of the city of Denver by cannabis businesses that can be reduced through sustainability practices, whether that's reducing carbon footprint or truck tra traffic or any number of um, environmental impacts that cannabis businesses could be having, uh, overloading publicly owned treatment works and needing to reduce wastewater um, and chemical usage and a whole host of um, metrics that could be tracked. Like the diversity and inclusion numbers, um, the, um, the social impact plan requires that goals for sustainability practices be made and that they, again, be specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time-bound. Um, and, and, and that programs follow that and that measurement of those programs and reporting uh, around those measurements happens on an annual basis around renewals. So a good example, um, it could be that you want to reduce the number of employees who drive to work every day by a certain percentage each year, um, and that you want to develop programs to encourage employees to carpool or to um, perhaps subsidize public transit, so that way you've got 
um, you're reducing, in essence, the greenhouse gas impacts that your company is having by having you know, 30, 40, 60, 100 employees driving to work all by themselves in a car. Or you want to uh, you, you reduce the energy usage of your facility. So maybe in year one, it's we're going to measure the total energy usage of our dispensary or our cultivation or our manufacturing facility. Uh, and then in year two, it's going to be we want to crank that total energy usage down by 15% or 20%. Uh, and you're going to measure it. And you're going to have a program to do that. So you're going to develop SOPs to turn off all electronic equipment when you leave to the extent that, that you can, obviously, in cultivations. there There's some challenges to that. Um, or you want to reduce waste. You want to divert more waste um, to recycling from instead of landfills. There's a whole wide array of metrics that you could pick in the sustainability world to track. Um, the city is not specific in telling you which ones to track or how many. Uh, but again, this is just to reduce the number of externalities um, that uh, cannabis companies are having on the community. And in, actually, in turn, it should save companies money at the end of the day as well, if you pick the right ones. Kim, this is probably the, the thorniest of the issues. Um, can you please yeah. explain about these community goals? Sure. Um, as indicated on the slide, uh, community goals, these are uh, designed to impact communities that are disproportionately impacted by marijuana prohibition and enforcement. Um, what that translates to is it, communities that have faced and experienced high rates of arrest and incarceration uh, as part of or as fallout from the war on drugs. And that those those harms, the fallout that is caused include, um, you know, just lower uh, income rates health crises, lower education rates, difficulty getting a job, difficulty finding housing. Um, the harms continue into generations and generations such that it is, becomes very difficult for uh, these communities to kind of come up from under that. These community goals, these, these social impact plans, plans related to community goals are designed to subvert that, to correct those harms. Um, as with the other two areas of, uh, of tracking and reporting, you also have specific, measurable, achievable, relevant time-bound requirements related to the goals you create. Um, these programs are supposed to be designed to support the participation in the regulated industry from the communities um, and people in the communities that were harmed by high rates of arrest and incarceration. Um, in a world where we have legal cannabis, it really makes little to no sense that there are still people in jail for having sold cannabis or purchased cannabis when it was illegal. So there is some correction that needs to be done. Um, we in the United States have the highest rate of incarceration for people of people of color for cannabis. It's significantly disproportionately black men that are incarcerated for it. So while there's work being done on expungement um, and changing those laws and helping this this is designed to help people who are maybe the family members and the communities that continue to experience the harms from those war on drugs or that war on drugs. Um, and the measurements are, are just exactly that. They're measurements designed to show success of the programs. So here you're gonna wanna be very specific. And when you talk about the programs, the goals that you have and the programs that you, could you create and the measurements that you're gonna use to, um, to track it all, I think you really want to be narrow-minded and very explicit about what it is you're trying to do, who it is you're trying to help, um, and how it is you're going to do it. That is to say, you could very broadly say, well, we want to um, we want to improve the quality of life in these communities. Well, what does quality of life mean? You know, um, 
is it a job program? Is it going to be designed to do training? Okay, how many people are you going to train? How, what is the net you're casting? What is the audience that you're doing this for? So how many people are you going to train? What exactly is the training you're going to do? How many training sessions are you going to have a year? These are the goals you're setting for yourself so that when you get to the time of renewal and you need to make show your progress on them, you can say, we did X many uh, trainings. We saw this many people. And here is the impact that... Uh, that the positive impact on those folks, that's the most difficult point is explaining exactly how they're positive imp positively impacted. So this means you're gonna to need to connect with the people in those communities. You're going to need to solicit feedback from them and find out exactly how they were positively impacted so that you can report that back as part of your renewal um, of your license. Some other, th those are all very good, Kim. Some other ideas with regard to um, impacting communities uh, disproportionately impacted by the war on drugs could be your supply chain uh, with regard to products that you sell in your dispensary. It could be uh, supply chain with regard to inputs that you put into your cultivation or your manufacturing, um, or your office supplies, or if you have a deliver, if you're looking at delivery, it, it could be your delivery partners. It could be um, any number of different metrics of engaging. Uh, people of color or people that have been disproportionately impacted by the war on drugs. It could be participating in expungement clinics. It could be a whole host of um, options and ideas. Um, it's it's not necessarily one thing or another thing. I, I also will add that it there are tools, mechanisms, organizations already set up, currently existing in the community um, local and nationally, that will support you in either designing or achieving these goals. Um, it, it may be as simple as reaching out to your local community centers, um, local groups that already operate in this space, and bringing them in and really working with them. And overall, I mean, this should help your business to just be a good corporate partner, a good corporate citizen. Um, it, it goes beyond simply cannabis and correcting the war on drugs. This helps the overall industry. Um, but it's, is, it's less daunting than it sounds once you get into it. There are folks who are ready and willing to help. Um, it's just a matter of getting in touch with them. Great, James. Right, so um, in terms of uh, other requirements to understand, um, like I pointed out previously, one of the bigger things that's uh, a difference between the community engagement plans and the social impact plans is the uh, access to SIP plans. Um, these plans are, are publicly available, so one thing to keep in mind is, you know, uh, when they're drafted up, take them seriously. Um, because the thing is, there are eyes on these things. Uh, they're available, they can be searched, um, you know, Denver will provide them to the public and they should be readily available within your own um, business as well. Um, so, you know, you wanna avoid public relations issues whenever you can. There's, you're running a business and, you know, it's difficult enough to run a business, but it becomes slightly more difficult when you, you have uh, a greater um, eye towards, you know, hey, listen, I, I want to engage with community or I need to engage with my community. In fact, what I've seen as uh, somebody who does a lot of these licensing um, hearings and change of ownerships and so on and so forth, is that when it comes down to public hearings, um, I spend a lot of time just waiting around, just waiting around for our time to get up there and say, okay, listen, here's somebody who's being added on to a license. 
And um, it becomes a little bit funny at some points because I want to get more into depth about, you know, the application and so on and so forth. But maybe the city council or something to step in, depending on the jurisdiction, they say, we, we don't need to hear all that. We just, you know, need to know it is all are all the paperwork. Uh, that you've submitted. Is it correct? Yes. Okay. You're approved. That's, you don't have any problem with that. But really what's, uh, what I found is that that public hearing aspect of it is really to, uh, to make um, new business owners or people who become business owners or licensees within a jur given jurisdiction aware of what the needs are of the community, you know, and Denver's no different. It may be larger than every other community in Colorado, but it still has those needs that need to be addressed. It's important to the city of Denver that whatever business that you are involved in, uh, marijuana in particular for this particular case, um, you're, you're addressing things and you're engaged with the community itself. Um, in terms of tracking things, um, the, uh, the main thing with the social impact plans is that you know, you're able to demonstrate the difference between you know, the benchmark and the goal or the jet benchmark and uh, where you're currently at um, for diversity and conclusion, uh, inclusion, sorry, uh, what was the last goal? You know, and um, you know, were you able to get there? How close were you able to get there? You know, sustainability, well, you had a goal, you were measuring it and uh, you're tracking it and how close did you get to it or where did you fall back? And, do you want to revise your goals the next time around and say, okay, listen, we didn't really get it. So let's change the goal and let's change what we're doing because maybe that's not something that really works for that particular business or it is what it is. And finally, you know, community disproportionately impacted by prohibition and enforcement, you know, how, how did that stack up against your goal? Um, ideally, you know, you're making progress uh, towards, you know, the goal itself. But, you know, I, I feel that in terms of these, um, these regulations, the ordinances, uh, that it's like anything else. So long, you know, you may not make it towards the goal, but as long as you're failing in that direction, that's what matters. It's ultimately what always matters. As long as you're in that direction, it's all right. But uh, that's all I have for that slide. <laughs> Before I get into how we specifically can help, or there are others in the community that can help, um, let me just address this. Uh, Vicente Cedarberg was not involved in the drafting of this um, ordinance and, um, and can't really speak to what went in behind this ordinance. But what I can say from a personal standpoint is what we're looking at is, is a societal improvement plan, really. We are all part of this community here in the city of Denver and we all wanna see this community thrive. We want diverse businesses because they attract diverse clientele and customers. Uh, and frankly, diverse businesses perform better um, because you've got a diversity of opinions uh, and that can lead to a diversity of ideas and uh, diversity of business plans. With regards to the remediation of the war on drugs, uh, you know, we are, fortunate enough, many of us that are on this call right now, fortunate enough to make a living in this industry that was built on the backs of people of color that many of whom went to jail uh, that don't look like me and don't look like James. Um, and there's an effort here to um, help round out this industry and improve 
this community that is the city of Denver by having a more diverse, more inclusive, more successful industry as we are seeing across this country. Uh, and with regard to sustainability, as I pointed out earlier, there are a number of externalities that are being carried on by uh, the people of the city of Denver that are being put onto the people of the city of Denver um, that the cannabis industry needs to address and own. And uh, in a lot of those sustainability efforts can actually save a company money. So um, soft uh, ideas here about how we can help. We can help with, uh, if you're a licensee, we can help you develop uh, what we think will be a very robust SIP. Um, we can assist with the planning of diversity and inclusion goals and measurement. Uh, we can help with community outreach plans and engagement, as well as helping establish relationships with your local RNOs. Uh, and we can help you network with other consultants outside of the VS uh, family, uh, whether, whether it's diversity, equity, inclusion, or sustainability experts that can help you with um, all of these activities. Um, one last thing I will say is, and I can't speak again for the city as to what they're going to do with these plans and whether you could be denied uh, a, a license or a license renewal by submitting uh, a plan that is inadequate. Um, because these plans are going to be public and you're going to put them somewhere in a place that the public can read them, um, there will be advocates and activists that will take a look at these plans and if you submit the same boilerplate plan year after year without showing measurement and improvement or without explaining why you haven't shown measurement or improvement, um, while there may not be legal repercussions, there may be public relations repercussions um, and you should be prepared for that. And so that's why it's real important that you understand what your obligations are under this new omnibus bill and, um, and what's required by these social impact plans. Yeah, I'll... So Second, that just really quickly, I'm in, based in Massachusetts and we have had uh, positive impact plans and diversity plans as a regulatory requirement for licensing and renewal. Um, folks have been denied licenses, renewals have been delayed because of this. And um, apart from that, you don't have that in Denver at this point. You do have the public eye, and the public watchdog in the cannabis industry is uh, unlike. <laughs> Many other, it's it's a it's a there it's a beast unto itself. Um, not something to be taken lightly. Certainly, you want to consider what you're doing and that you're do you're not biting off more than you can chew. Um, but that you're if you state a commitment, that you actually back it up with action. Uh, again, these things you don't need to boil the ocean, as it were. You can choose what is achievable and what you are capable of, and then do that. Um, but you want to be aware that there are folks out there who care deeply about these, particularly as it relates to specific community and those positive impact plans. If you say you're going to help someone, um, you should actually help them. So uh, I guess let your mouths write checks that you can cash, <laughs> that your business can cash physically, um, support the communities that you're in, and believe and operate in the intent of the, the spirit of the statute. I think that'll help you find the success that ultimately is required here. And I'll just add um, quickly from the from the regulatory perspective, there were a couple questions in the chat, just what happens if you don't submit a social impact plan? And, and the answer is the social impact plan is a requirement of the application. And so if you don't submit it, your application won't be accepted. And so either that means um, your application won't be approved and you won't get a license or your renewal won't be approved. So it is a requirement of the application. You do have to fill it out and submit it. However, 
we understand that every business is different. And so that's why we didn't want to be prescriptive about what goals you need to meet or what programs you need to have in place. There are small businesses, there are huge marijuana businesses and, and different businesses have different ethos and different um, different goals that they want to achieve within their company. And so we wanted to give people the flexibility to do what's best for their business and convey that to the public. There are a number of questions. I think we've been answering some as we go. Um, thank you, Abby, for that perspective about incomplete and inadequate plans. Mark, I, um, can, I can take one question, just give a general answer. Um, I did see one related to it, it, whether or not it's illegal for the city of Denver to require business owners to hire people based on race. Um, yeah, that would be illegal. Um, that's not what is happening here. They're requiring diversity plans. And as I stated at the outset, every single person who lives in this world is a member of some protected class, one or many, um, oftentimes many. And it's not about selecting people based on those attributes. Rather, it's about being inclusive and making sure that you're not being exclusive. The way that you ensure inclusivity is to cast a wide net. Um, there are numerous um, organizations dedicated to hiring people without bias. And unfortunately, it is the case that we all carry with us some implicit bias. So to refine your hiring practices, to refine your uh, employment policies, your company policies to support DNI is something that is entirely achievable. And it doesn't just have to do with who you're, you're hiring and the actual active hiring. It can be the inside the workplace. What is the culture of your workplace? There's a lot more uh, that goes into DNI in employment um, and also positive impact plans than simply the color of one's skin or the gender of a person. And I'm happy to talk more about that offline if someone, if anyone would like to. And if I could add something too, um, one of the things that uh, I don't think that a lot of people give credit to is, you know, as a bit of a background, I, I am a scientist by a trade. I have a uh, chemistry uh, degree in, in college, and I, I look at the law and its success or failure is mostly an engineering problem. Um, sometimes when uh, there is interest in pursuing a certain goal, um, there becomes a necessity to figure out whether or not that uh, pursuit actually can be achieved. So for example, if um, the complaint is that there's not enough diversity in certain areas of hiring and so on and so forth, if that is one of the goals to say, listen, we want more diversity in our staff, and you come across it and you say, well, listen, we can't actually meet that goal, but we've realized why, that information becomes completely invaluable to uh, legislators, to lawmakers to say, oh, okay, so we understand now, you know, we may have this certain goal, we'd like to do this sort of stuff, however, it's not possible because of X, Y, and Z, and that helps them drive maybe uh, budgeting or, or other ordinance development. Say, okay, listen, let's address this in a different way. So it really becomes uh, a collaborative effort in the community to create overall ordinances, policies, and uh, appropriations that work toward common goals that assist everybody. Um, but that, that's all I really have to add of that. I mean, this question's come up a few times about um, beyond um, evaluating a SIP that it's complete and that it's there. Um, 
is there any intention at this point on the city's part to uh, monitor the specifics of these plans or is that still under consideration as this evolves? Uh, when you submit the plan, the role of excise and licenses is to ensure that it's complete. And so if it's a complete plan that you've submitted, then we'll accept your application and we'll process your new license application or your renewal. But um, we are not uh, looking at whether you've you know, met your goals. The, the idea is to be encouraging of corporate social responsibility, not punitive. And so say you set a goal for your sustainability practices and you're going to reduce the number of people in your business who are commuting to work every day by X percent. And a year later, you haven't quite met that percentage. We're not going to revoke your license based on that. But what you should do when you, when you write your annual report is say, here was our goal last year. It was to reduce the number of people coming into the office, commuting to the office, driving alone um, by 20%. We provided discounted eco passes so that people could take public transit. We implemented telework policies so people could work from home. And we didn't quite hit that 20%, but we hit 15%. And we knew that because we did a company-wide survey asking people how many days of the week do you drive to the office alone? And so we didn't meet that goal, but here's what we're gonna do for the next year to continue working towards that goal. And here's, here's our new goal, it's to get it to 25%, whatever it might be. So this isn't meant to be, you know, you didn't meet your goals, so we're gonna come take your license. It's meant to be just continue to reflect on what your goals are and have a plan to continue working towards them moving forward. That's really the purpose of the social impact plan as well as the annual update. Thanks, Abby. Um, here's, a, here's an easy one. Uh, for licenses with multiple locations, must the plans be specific to a location or a single plan for, at the company level? My understanding is that um, these plans are license specific um, and that there needs to be a plan submitted for each license. Is that is that a fair assessment, Abby? Yes, there's a plan required for each license. And so there are certain geographic pieces of the plans, like the RNOs that encompass your licensed premises. So you're gonna have maybe a slightly different list of RNOs for one licensed premises than you do for the other. And so you may have, um, you may also be located in different communities that have different impacts from the war on drugs. And so you may have slightly different plans based on those geographic differences. But if you are one company with multiple locations and you wanna have sort of comprehensive um, sustainability plan for the whole company, it's okay to include those details in, in each different so, social impact plan. So if you're doing a company-wide, um, I'll just use the same example, you're trying to reduce the amount of people commuting to work every day alone, company-wide by 20%, that's okay to include in every single impact plan for each license. It's a question about how you evaluate the RNOs. What if their beliefs or goals are different from yours? I think the social impact plan really needs to be looked at fractionally as different requirements. The RNA, and I've seen this already getting um, convoluted, and um, uh, the RNO requirements are really separate and apart than from the diversity and inclusion and the remediation of the war on drugs and the sustainability plans. It's really the RNO section is who are your RNOs? How can they contact you? What's your going to be your response plan? Um, 
and that's pretty much the extent of the RNO section. Um, it's almost separate and apart from the other sections. Uh, so there's not an evaluation of their beliefs or goals. It's really a, a how to contact in case of issue questions and what's your response plan going to look like. Are there any other questions that people have seen on this list that they're prepared to respond to? The, the social impact plan burden is on the new business owners, but is there accountability at the local state level to ensure social equity owners, SIPs, have a chance here without adding additional burdens? It's an interesting one. Um, all accountability in, in this respect is local, but as we know in Colorado, you know, the um, if you don't have both, if you don't have the state level and local level, you can't operate. Um, Social equity owners really have a, a little bit of a leg up when it comes to these these programs because they are, in essence, a beneficiary of, of uh, social impact plans uh, by um, by seeming de design. Um, that being said, I think that um, I think that one of the things to keep in mind. Um, when it comes to the totality of, of these social impact plan ordinances is this, because a lot of people I see uh, other questions that relate to enforceability, accountability. Um, whenever, whenever organizations came together to, and, and forces came together to pass these, these ordinances, they're strong enough to come together to pass these ordinances because they mattered enough to them. And they mattered enough to that community. They mattered enough to convince um, city council members to put them in place. Um, it's important to take them seriously because uh, if if businesses don't, then the next natural step is to start incorporating uh, more punitive sanctions, as is as, uh, as uh, Kim has pointed out. Like in Massachusetts, there's actual embedded sanctions here. At this point in Colorado, since you know Colorado is not Massachusetts and Denver is not Massachusetts, uh, we we don't particularly have those regulations in place. Uh, so it's more aspirational than anything else. Uh, but that being said, that doesn't mean that it can't come back to end up injuring businesses by individuals not taking it seriously enough. So would encourage uh, people to keep that in mind you know, uh, because ideally. Um, we behave in the ways that we do um, as a result of mutual respect and understanding until you know, it becomes a case that we have to create rules and laws to actually dictate what happens when we don't. So uh, that's all I have to say about that particular question. One last one, it looks like. Abby, are there plans for Denver to require social impact plans for more or all business licenses in Denver? I assume that that question, Susan, is beyond the cannabis industry. Um, not at this time, we don't have plans to do that. Um, but we are committed to promoting social equity in all of our industries. The Department of Excise and Licenses issues, I think it's 180 different types of licenses. So we don't just issue marijuana licenses, we have a lot of industries that, that we regulate and so, um, we want to continue to work towards promoting social equity in, in different industries as well. But no, there's no plan to do that at this time. 
do you need a plan for both a med and rec license if they are in the same building? Yes, you have to submit a plan for every um, every license that you're applying for. Um, if they're in the same building, they could be exactly the same. Right, because they're co-located in the same location. Right. Okay. Great. Um, well, there's, one, sorry, there's one question here. That's a good question. Um, uh, is the licensee required to have plans for all the programs or could they submit their SIP with a narrowed down focus on one or two? Um, you do have to fill out the plan for all of the programs. Um, if you are more interested in one or the other, you know, make choices about where you want to spend your your money and your energy on promoting certain social causes, but you you are required to fill out the plan for sustainability, diversity and inclusion, and then uh, uh, um, promoting participation by people from communities harmed by prohibition. There was a question about communities harmed by prohibition and whether or not there is um, a map or a way to identify which communities were impacted by the war on drugs. The city has um, those uh, help aids for licensees that are looking for that information. We don't have a specific list of communities that we're hoping people will look at, but maybe Kim has some more insight on how to kind of identify those communities. Uh, so let's see, the, the question specifically is how to identify areas of disproportionate impact. Yes. Um, in Massachusetts, we used a, a website that would allow you, well, initially we designated certain cities um, and, and towns within the state, and then uh, used a census, a federal government census-based website that would identify certain census tracts um, that would uh, basically send, give a response based on a prior set of criteria uh, to identify those areas of disproportionate impact. Without that, that's something that, again, the that was built into our statute that was part of the law. Um, and developed at the regulatory level or implemented at least without that guidance from the city of denver um, you may need to look to the courts um, and criminal uh the, specifically the criminal courts to identify where the higher rates of uh, arrest and incarceration are but um that's something i don't have a, a specific answer to i would i would expect the city of denver to be able to disambiguate that as we move forward with these plans a couple people have posted links to maps, um, both Bia and Mark's Law. So thank you for, yeah. for doing. The state developed, a, that's a great point, Bia. Um, just put a link to the map in the chat, but the state did develop a map of disproportionately impacted areas. So you can search addresses in it and you can you zero go. in on Denver. So I think that's good guidance. Um, we don't have a specific list of communities that we want businesses to focus on. I think we want businesses to be able to, you know, if they're located in one of these communities, to be able to say, this is the community I want to focus on, or maybe more broadly focus on communities that, that they see as being disproportionately impacted. And communities Great. also means individuals within those communities. So you can identify a specific group of people that you want to help, children. Teenager. I mean, it, really, it, it's it's broad. Once you start to think about it, it does not just have to be sending a check to a zip code kind of thing. But you know, that's something to consider as well. It can be as easy as or as difficult as you make it. 
That's a great point, Kim. I think there's also, um, you know, communities can mean bodies of people. And um, I think this requirement is might be best fulfilled potentially by, you know, seeking ways to help social equity applicants build their businesses. And so, um, and, and keeping in mind that these social impact plans are not just for new applications, they're for renewal applications as well. And so existing industry members have to fill them out. And so, you know, a community of people who've been disproportionately impacted, that's been identified by the state as people who qualify as social equity applicants. And the state has also identified geographic communities that were disproportionately impacted. Great. I think we are at time here. I appreciate all the questions. Again, we are available to help you. Um, and let me move to that slide. Uh, here's how you can find us, how you can contact us, including Abby at the city. Abby, we really appreciate your, your knowledge and participation today in this, in this webinar. Um, thanks, everybody. Uh, we'll be sending out a recording of this that you can then share with your leadership teams or your other colleagues in the industry. Again, I'm Mark Ross with Vicente Cedarberg. Thanks to Kim and James and Abby for their participation. Thank you to all of you for spending part of your time today as well to learn more about the social impact plans for City of Denver cannabis licensees. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you all. Thank you.